Hello, everybody. Welcome to the News Desk. This is the World of CONCACAF podcast. I'm Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Donald White. Did you hear that? Slate's what? back. Slate's back. Back, back in nice. the fold. It's nice to have all three of the squad here tonight. Um, been a little bit of a break since we recorded our last episode. Um, we took a break for the holidays. And of course, I mean, the big one was the 4th of July Independence Day in the U.S. But I also do want to shout out Happy Emancipation Day, July 1st, to Bonaire and St. Martin. Uh, happy Canada Day also. Uh, also happy, happy Baba Bonilla Day. <laughs> happy Bobby <laughs> Bonilla Day. Uh, happy Independence Day to the Bahamas. That was July 11th. And then, of course, July 14th, Happy Fête Nationale to Guadeloupe, Martinique, and St. Martin. It's the holidays. Everyone needs to break. Everyone needs to relax, have some fun. And we took a little break, but there was so much going on. So we have to touch on all of it. Uh, first things first, we want to shout out uh, our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to everyone who subscribes to our Patreon. We have a new patron, an executive patron. The most important thing, uh, Donald, you want to shout him out? Yes, it is. It is an actuary. He is a buddy of mine, and he is the most important person in the world. That man is Jared Christensen. Jared, thank you for being an executive. Not even we, we're not even executives. You are higher than us at, a, at on a certain level. You like I don't know what we're gonna do with you. Like we're gonna have to like really step it up now. Listen, this is Concacaf. He gets envelopes full of cash. It's oh yeah, yeah. Un, unmarked envelope full of cash. I'm not going to tell you which cash it's going to be or what it's for, you know, wink, or what wink, it's for. nudge, nudge. It's yeah. an envelope full of monopoly money, also <laughs> known as loonies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing is worth anything, you know. <laughs> all right. So thank you, Jared, for support. Thank you to all of our patrons. Um, again, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcacaf. Uh, subscribe. We've got some content. We'll have a one more round episode up there. Um, you can look back at our past one more rounds and some bonus content, things of that nature. Cool stuff. But lots of CONCACAF going on. The most recent major thing is the CONCACAF W Championship just wrapped up. So we're going to talk about that. Um, really, the first CONCACAF W Championship under this name uh, Donald, won't you tell us like what's at stake with this? I, I do want to quickly shout out Google um, because <laughs> earlier today uh, when I went because, you know, doing a little research, the episode and I went and typed in CONCACAF W championship um, fireworks show up in the search history. Um, oh, that's red, cool. White, and blue fireworks. So oh, because, uh, oh, I, they do that. They do that for like championships because they did it for the gold cup and they did it for Nations League. Yeah, yeah, that's just the first time I recognize I recognize that. Um, so, um, shout out Google for recognizing the importance of the CONCACAFW Championship. It's true. It's the greatest women's tournament on the planet. Most prestigious. Most prestigious for sure. Because we be, we win everything else as America. So we this is the one you know. I mean, obviously it's under a new name. That's the one we hadn't won yet. So let's go through what was at stake, as, as Eric mentioned. There it was it served not only as the regional championship, the confederation championship, but it also served as qualifying for both the 2023 Women's World Cup and the 2024 Olympics. The top there were there were eight teams split into two groups. The top two teams from both group A and B 
qualified directly for the World Cup. So we have four teams that are in it. We obviously will tell you the results in just a second. The third place teams from each group qualified for the Interconfederation playoffs, which take place in February 2023. And there's obviously that was for the World Cup part. Now for the Olympic part, the winner of the tournament, it was the only team that was able to qualify directly for the 2024 Olympics. The runner-up and third-place finisher face each other in a playoff in September 2023. So that's at, so those two teams will have qualified for the World Cup, but they will have to play another playoff in September of 2023 for the last spot uh, for CONCACAF in the Olympics. Now, before we get into the results, I just want to ask you guys, how do you feel about this double qualification, like consolidating into one tournament and having so much at stake? I don't like it um, on its face because I think that what we have talked about a lot through this podcast is how important it is um, for specifically some of these other CONCACAF uh, women's teams uh, to be playing more meaningful games. And so I don't love um, taking away another tournament. Um, But I will say there is at least a little bit um, of a... um, Consolation, the fact of like we're seeing the the W Gold Cup making a, a return and we're seeing the W uh, Nations League. So those two things in and of its whole um, are, are better. But I just I don't like the, the double qualification uh, tournament. I, I don't either. Um, I know we'll talk about it for the men as well, because the, the same thing happened. Uh, I, I say on the men's side, but on the it's really on the men's youth side uh, where it happened. But I think for the women, the idea is to have more competitive games, to have more of these showcases and to have more of these opportunities for, you know, not necessarily for the United States and Canada, but for the rest of the Confederation to play against quality competition and playing games that matter. And honestly, I, I'd love to see over the next four years the, uh, that CONCACAF come up with a way to make World Cup qualifying be something where it's not a foregone conclusion in a tournament, right? Like for this tournament, you got out of the group stage, you were in the world cup and you really didn't, there wasn't really anything to kind of celebrate. No one celebrated being in the world cup because there was still a tournament left. I would love to see it where they get to a point where it's kind of like on the men's side where you have rounds and you have, you know, double round Robin or something where there's a, there's some finality to it where the tournament, where the, where the tournament ends with, Hey, the last match day, we know that these, you know, three or four teams are in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. and add in the fact of like not only like was there a tournament like there was there a lot of the tournament left um, when some of these things were decided, and you know I'm going to go in a little bit and kind of recap the group stage results. But I mean, you had games that were decided within. You had people that knew they were going to the World Cup within two games uh, when mm-hmm. they had over half the tournament left to play. Yeah, and for this tournament. Canada and the U.S. got automatic bids in. So theoretically, we did have teams that only won two games and got a spot in the World Cup. So there wasn't a lot of effort needed for Canada and the United States. Well, of course, they're superior, and we saw we'll see what happens. Um, at least six of the teams had to like play their way into this tournament. And for it to be so quickly decided – oh, hey, you're going to the friggin' World Cup after winning two games, you know? It's less than a week's work to get in for some teams. And you'd like to think it's more of a process because 
but there's nothing beats World Cup qualifying, especially on the men's side, where it's such a long process. You'd love, love to see us on the women's side, too. I, I do like the tournament format for the Olympics because, again, the Olympics was only two spots. And I mean, we can talk later about the Olympic tournament kind of expanding, hopefully. Uh, but, uh, you know, the two spots that they have, I do like that they have it set up where, you know, the winner goes the spoils, right? The only team that qualified directly was the winner of the tournament. And then second and third place will have to play later on in the playoff. I think that's really cool. That adds some intrigue to that spot. And I like the format of the tournament for this. But for the World Cup, like you said, you know, two teams new on like Thursday, like Thursday after playing on Monday, that they're in the World Cup. And then they still had three games to go. Yeah. So let's get to what happened and who actually got into the World Cup. Jonathan, why don't you tell us what happened in the group stage? Yeah, so uh, two, we had two groups of, of four. Um, the top two teams from each group uh, qualifying directly for the Women's World Cup. Uh, the third place teams uh, advancing to enter confederational playoff. Um, so out of the Group A, which was the United States, Jamaica, Haiti, and Mexico, um, the U.S. finished on nine points, um, winning all three of their games. Jamaica finishing in second on six. Haiti with three points um, and then the host Mexico who um, there was, you know, there was some pretty good, like, you know, hype about this team uh, finished with zero points, failing to score a single goal in a tournament hosted at home. Now I've got two points here on this Mexican squad. One, you hate to see it, you know, getting not even scoring a goal at home. They're hosting the tournament. You got you got to get it done out there when you're at home on your own soil, but also great for Jamaica and Haiti. Cause you look, would have looked at this group to start and you would penciled in us and Mexico. You're getting through, you're going to the world cup, but Jamaica and Haiti, great, great performances there. Yeah, no great performance for them. So moving on to group B. So we had uh, Canada, Costa Rica, Panama, Trinidad and Tobago, so Canada finishing on nine points uh, in first place, Costa Rica finishing uh, with six points, Panama finishing in third and advancing to the intercontinental playoff. Uh, and then Trinidad and Tobago uh, zero points um, conceding 11 goals uh, in the tournament. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely the, the not the le- least good team. I'm not going to call them the worst, but yeah, the worst team in the, in the tournament. Yeah. So, We've got these four teams who auto-qualify for the Women's World Cup, go to the knockout stage, U.S., Jamaica, Canada, Costa Rica, still a lot to play for for them. Essentially, it's double elimination to get the, into the Olympic Games. Uh, so in the semifinals, U.S. beats Costa Rica 3-0. Canada beats Jamaica 3-0, identical scores on the same day. You kind of would have expected the U.S. and Canada to end up in the final here. So the third place match to advance to the Olympic play-in game, uh, Jamaica actually gets a win, 1-0 in extra time. And then in the final, United States-Canada, a rematch of from the Olympics uh, back in 2020-21. That was a weird one. Um, U.S. getting revenge. 1-0 victory over Canada on an Alex Morgan penalty in the 78th minute. And the U.S. takes home another CONCACAF Women's Championship. Um, 
just thoughts on the final. Uh, it was a penalty, right? Like yeah, it was obvious. a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, a yeah, no, it was. I think it was stone cold a penalty. Yeah. Uh, I know that Bev, the Canadian coach, was complaining, um, but like, I mean, it was a stone cold penalty. At first, I will say, I thought it wasn't, uh, but then we saw that we saw it on the rewatch where where Rose gets so clearly clipped uh, as she's running past. I mean, it, it was I a bad clip too. I mean, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, it wasn't even like it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a graze great. where like yeah. she kind of threw her. I mean, she clipped one leg into the other, like. We, we yeah. used to, you know, used to do that to people's kids and they would, you, you know, how people fall when they yeah. get clipped like that. That was a no brainer. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, solid victory. Pen's a pen. The U S had plenty of chances. They dominated the expected goals were heavily in the U S's favor. Arguably they should have been well ahead when that penalty was called. There were arguably other opportunities where there could have been penalties called. Um, but Canada didn't really threaten too much there. And the U.S., even with a squad that's not – they weren't at full strength. They were missing almost an all-star team's worth of – almost a starting 11 worth of, like, great world-class players they didn't have on the squad, and they still got it done. So I, I want to talk a little bit about I, I, Canada a, a little less, but mainly the United States because – Obviously, these two teams, as you mentioned, were the two teams coming in. They were the class of the of the confederation. Everyone expected them to make the final. They did. And neither team played well while doing that. Neither team really, you know, until that final game, you know, I mean, the United States, I thought, played their best game of the tournament against Canada in the final. It led a lot of people to think because we will talk about the fact that there's other confederations also having their tournaments on the euros are on women's Africa cup of nations on women's Copa America is on. And people are saying, Oh, well, these games are clearly better. The U S the U S is losing ground to the rest of the world. I'm here to tell you that the United States women's national team, while they struggled during this tournament, they did not enter this tournament trying to be at full strength. They entered this tournament to try and get to the final and beat Canada to get back to the Olympics. And really all they did was they rose to the level of their competition. Canada, once they got Canada in front of them, the revenge factor was there. And also the fact that they're staring at another top 10 team. And they said, Hey, everyone, all tournament people have been talking about the rest of the world had caught up to them. And they wanted to show that, Nope, we will, we will literally pepper this, this goal with shots and make, you know, I mean, the Canadian goalkeeper, had a ridiculous, she was the goalkeeper of the tournament and she had a ridiculous game. I think she had what, eight saves or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Yes, um, I mean, Sheridan was really, really good. Yeah, really good, match. really good. And and the idea was the U.S. said, hey, you're not going to score on us because you're going to be too busy trying to stop all of these shots we're taking because we're the better team. We're the best team in the world. And I think people need to really pump their brakes when they say that, Teams in or teams in Europe or teams in Africa are catching up to them or have caught up to them or have passed them. I've heard all of those over the last two weeks. And I'm telling you, everyone's wrong because we don't know. Eric, you just mentioned an all-star team of people who are out due to injury, due to having a baby or to being pregnant. Like all of those fair things to be left off. And, and that's not counting people who are left off the squad, like Kristen Press, who are left off the squad. You have so many, they could field, if you think about the top, you know, players in the world, 
just two years ago, Kristen Press was named the eighth best player on the planet, and she did not make this roster. There are so many great players that are not going to make the roster going over to Australia. And there's so many players on this roster that, you know, are going to have to contend with people coming back from, again, injury or, or, or maternity leave. This is a squad that I think people need to really pump their brakes on when they say that other people have caught up to them because I don't see it at all. I, These gonna, players are gonna, so much better than everybody else. I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the opposite point um, because um, I mean, I think it was pretty clear um, the U S struggled in some of these environments. Yes. I know that um, there was, you know, an all-star teams worth of players missing. Um, but there also comes a point where uh, a team like the U S needs to uh, cycle out some of these older players uh, and just Fair. kind of roll with, roll with the other, like roll with the other players, um, that are available, but um, we saw them struggle against a Mexico team that struggled to score. That didn't score a single goal this tournament. Um, they struggled in a hostile environment, uh, and when they go to the World Cup, there is it is not going to be playing at home uh, in front of a packed U.S. crowd. We know that, of course, anytime the U.S. plays in the World Cup, there, like, especially on the women's side, a huge crowds that follow the mm-hmm. women's team. Um, but I mean, they struggled. Uh, they struggle to deal with some of the cockacafness um, of uh, of Mexico, um, and I just I'm going to be interested. I've I haven't watched much of the uh, Copa Copa America or the um, women's Afcon, but I have watched a good bit of the Euros, um, and some of those squads look really really good. But yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say. I was going to take a different point than both of you because you, obviously you guys have similar but different opinions. I think we saw the U.S. struggle because, the, especially that game against Mexico, they get a 1-0 victory. It was an 89th-minute goal. They struggled, but they'd never played. That was the first CONCACAF away competitive game that the U.S. women's national team has played since 2010, and that was a game they lost. Like they aren't familiar with these environments. And when you're playing two friendlies in a weekend against Uzbekistan, sure. They look great. They look like world beaters, but there's a great leveler in world soccer and that's tough environments. And when you go to some of these countries where it's not pristine fields, it's not a heavily home crowd, it, you can struggle a little bit. And what happens when you struggle a little bit? Like, how do you handle that as a player when you cannot punch a goal in against this team that you should be a game that you know, you need to win that it's a competitive game. If you're not getting that experience, if you go 12 years without playing a game that matters in a tough environment outside of your home country, man, you do struggle. And I think we saw a little bit of that. And I think we did see that, the quality of some of these mid-level teams in CONCACAF, it is getting better. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Like Jamaica, I thought is much more improved. Haiti, you know, we're going to talk about teaser. We're going to talk about them very, very soon, but they they've improved. And, you know, I think, you know, there's other teams that have, but I want to, I want to give you two points, one on the CONCACAF side, then on the Euro side. Okay. So for the CONCACAF side, I think you guys saw this last night. We've played 11 women's championships the united states have played in 10 of them they were the hosts of uh, the world cup in 99 so they didn't have to qualify 
So they've played in 10. They've won nine of them. Okay. In those 10 tournaments, they have conceded six goals total. Over, th- over 32 years, they have, they have only allowed six goals in this tournament. So everyone who's like, yes, they struggle, but for them, that's why they didn't, they didn't want to be at hundred percent for this because they don't, in their mind, they don't have to be, it's going to take a Herculean effort for someone to even score against them. The best, the, the, you know, the defending Olympic gold medalist could not score a goal against them. They could barely get the ball across midfield for a certain point of the game. And on the Euro side, I'll say this for people saying that the Euros have a bunch of teams that look good. They do. But the last time the United States won the world cup, they, they, they beat the Euros to get it. The last three teams they played were European teams, the three best European teams that they have. They ran through all of them on their way to the only European team that has beaten them in the last four years, Sweden in last year's Olympics. That's it. Now I do want to cut you off right there because this is a CONCACAF podcast CONCACAF and, not, podcast. and not a European podcast. So we're not, we're going to stop talking about European teams. <laughs> so the U S wins the, uh, CONCACAF W Championship, Alex Morgan with the golden ball, Canada's Julia Grosso with the golden boot. Uh, she had three goals as, lo- as well as three other players. Um, Kaylin Sheridan, the Canadian keeper with the golden glove, and Melchi Dumornay of Haiti, young player of the tournament. And I did get a kick out of the fact that Canada won fair play. Because, you know, they're, they're so nice and polite. <laughs> so, so, so what you would assume. So another successful CONCACAF W championship, and we'll be talking more about that later. Um, I think it's time for scoreboard watch because there is important things going on around CONCACAF that aren't necessarily a championship. And that is the St. Kitts and Nevis Premier League. So last weekend, we had some big results. Uh, Trafalgar South Stars with a 1-0 victory over Newton United. Uh, St. Peter's going into Dieppe Bay, getting a 2-1 victory. And then Garden Hotspur, big 1-0 victory over Village Superstars. So lots of lots of good action. We've actually got a great matchup coming up with Garden Hotspur and St. Paul's United playing this weekend, third place, hosting first place. Big action in the St. Kitts and Nevis Premier League. I, so, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. CONCACAF matters. That's essentially what we need to remember here shout out to the train yeah (laughs) choo-choo all right so CONCACAFW wasn't the only championship we had recently we had the men's under 20 championship and like the CONCACAFW there's a lot at stake Jonathan what was at stake for this year's men's U20 championship yeah so first of all um so it's 20 team tournament um, with you know four different groups, uh, what was on it was much like we saw with the uh, CONCACAFW Championship. There were one, there were not one but two things on the line. Um, so four teams uh, from CONCACAF would be advancing to represent uh, as CONCACAF representatives at the U20 World Cup in 2023 in Indonesia, um, but uh, also two CONCACAF representatives for the. 2024 summer olympics and if you're an american listening um qualification for the summer olympics on the men's side is a bit of a touchy subject Um, some of us are scarred um from instances we witnessed uh in person um such as the debacle in 2012 in nashville um still to this day 
um, when you go up four zero against Canada and giving up four to draw, um, it's uh, I'm still haunted by that. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That's ancient history. So there, and the U.S. still hadn't qualified since then. So there was a lot since of two thousand and eight. Yeah. So there was a lot at stake for the U.S. program. It's been a touchy subject for the U.S. It was interesting. Like we talked about this with the women, where it's like you have two levels of competition where it's like you can qualify for this or qualify for this for this tournament it was the quarterfinals if you won the your quarterfinal game you went to the u20 world cup if you won your semifinal you're in the olympics so getting into the knockout was key because once you get into the knockout anything can happen so in the group stage i'll just run through the groups real quick i will say that i like this a little bit better um for the men uh, or for the youth team than i do for the women's because the the Olympics for on the men's side is a U23 tournament, which is just like an odd age group. And it falls into a time like usually that playoff is uh, it's not a FIFA window. So teams aren't releasing um, the best players. And so you run into a situation um, not just for the U.S., but for a lot of CONCACAF teams where they're putting out like a kind of like hodgepodge makeshift, uh, you know, group of players. And it's. Uh, not even the best representation of the players that would be available to play in the tournament. Also, I, I almost, I kind of like this as well. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep doing this, but the fact that this was a U 20 championship that served mm-hmm. as Olympic qualification, because these kids will be of age yeah. to play on the U 23s when that tournament comes around. So I think that was very interesting to it. Usually you, we see this tournament happen like, the year of the Olympics. So those guys can just go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see that these, the crop of kids that make the world cup from here, or at least make the Olympics from here, get to yeah, kind of all be age roll eligible. With yeah. They'll all be age eligible. Yeah. And because this is CONCACAF and CONCACAF likes to do dumb shit frequently, the format of this tournament was also kind of weird. So the top 16 ranked youth national teams, were qualified for the group stage. They also had U20 qualifying that took place prior to the tournament. And those four qualifying winners advanced directly to the knockout. So the top 16 had to play their way into the knockout, but so did everyone who was below the top 16. They just got to skip the group stage, not like qualify for the tournament, then do the group stage, then go to the knockout. They just got to skip right to the knockout. So... The group stage winners in Group E, we had U.S., Cuba, and Canada advancing to the knockout. St. Kitts and Nevis, uh, they had a rough tournament. Uh, minus 20 goal difference, got rocked by the U.S. 10-0. They didn't make it. In Group F, Mexico, Haiti, and Trinidad and Tobago advancing to the knockout. Suriname did not. Group G, El Salvador, Guatemala, Panama advanced to the knockout. Aruba, not so much. And in Group H, the host Honduras, Costa Rica, and Jamaica into the knockout. Antigua and Barbuda went home. So those teams that finished the top three in their group advanced to the knockout to join Curacao, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Nicaragua in the knockout stage. Donald, tell us about the knockout stage. Yeah, so I'm not going to bore you with all of the round of 16 because, as you mentioned, there's you mentioned the teams that made the round of 16. Yeah. The quarterfinals that matter. The quarterfinals that matter, but I do want to point out that there were two upsets 
in the round of 16. The first one, the Dominican Republic with a 5-4 victory over El Salvador. That was a bit of a surprise for people. Actually, that was a very big surprise for people. Um, and then the other one was Canada losing to Guatemala on penalties. They there was a 1-1 tie after extra time, and they lost 4-3 to three on penalties. Penalties are going to be something that Guatemala deals with quite a bit during this tournament. So, uh, But they were able to get past Canada. Canada, who you know had a great run. Uh, of course, their women are, are, are in the Olympics. Uh, their men, you know, did well during World Cup qualifying to qualify for the World Cup for the first time uh, in 36 years, but they will not be in the 2024 Olympics, which is very interesting. Um, so let's go to the quarters. This is where the winners qualified for the U20 World Cup that will take place next year. The United States beat Costa Rica two to two to zero. Panama loses to Honduras two to one. The Dominican Republic, another surprise. They are in the they are in the World Cup um, with a 1-0 victory over Jamaica. And Guatemala, after being on penalties to beat Canada in the round of 16, they once again go to penalties after a 1-1 draw against Mexico. And they win 2-1. And probably uh, w- with their keeper just being on fire, saving three penalties, in that in that in that penalty shootout but that was the big surprise mexico falling out of the world cup and and the olympics i'm sorry the u20 world cup and the olympics on penalties to guatemala yeah i'm just to shout out the keeper phenomenal i mean mexico losing you hate to see it um but yeah jorge moreno giant giant uh performance in goal um for Guatemala. Yeah. So now we move on to the semifinals. Again, we have the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, United States, and Honduras. They have all qualified for the U20 World Cup. Now they are seeking to qualify for the 2024 Olympics. Dominican Republic went or went up against Guatemala. The Dominican Republic go up to they get another they get they get equalized by Guatemala. They go to extra time. It's 2-2 after extra time. Once again, Guatemala is in the penalties. Guatemala goes up 2-0 to start the first half. I'm they sorry. Go, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was it was like Guatemala, Guatemala scores. Guatemala. Guatemala scores. Yeah. They scored twice. Um, and then um, it's not till like late in the, not late, but like midway through the second half that Dominican Republic comes back and scores. Yes, my yeah. bad. Two quick goals. It was two quick I got those goals. mixed up. Mm-hmm. It was like in a span of like five minutes that they scored to kind of equalize. But yes, um, thank you for the correction. Um, Guatemala goes up to Dominican catches up. We go to penalties. Guatemala is the penalties king, right? They still got Moreno on goal, but they end up faltering here. Dominican Republic win four to two on penalties to advance to the final and to the Olympics. And then the other one, which was probably the biggest matchup of the uh, of the tournament, the United States took on host Honduras, and the United States win three to nothing. Those three goals came very early in the first half. They were able to kind of coast through the second half, but. Um, they put the crowd out of it in San Pedro Sula very, very quickly. They advanced to the Olympics for the first time since 2008. I believe it's Dominican's first ever trip in the men's yeah. side to the Olympics. I believe, I'm sorry, in any side to the Olympics. So yeah. um, congratulations to both the Dominican Republic and the United States. Yeah, huge, huge moment for soccer in the Dominican Republic uh, to advance to not only the U-20 World Cup, but also the Olympics. Um, and huge for the U.S. Honduras has been like the boogeyman for U.S. Olympic qualifying, and to finally exercise those demons, 
in San Pedro Sula. Huge, huge effort by the U.S. team. Yeah, I, I do, do want to shout out not just the U.S. national team, but the uh, uh, we might as well just call them the uh, the U twenty Philly team. Um, <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia uh, Union Academy. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out. Shout out to Union too. Um, Bethlehem Steel. Uh, but yeah, I mean the 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 U.S. put on a performance. Um, go in the in in both of those in that game, and then uh, as we'll talk about in the final as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and we get to the final again. The final was just for, uh, you know, for the tournament title. But both teams, of course, were both in the World Cup and the Olympics. Uh, and it is the United States versus the Dominican Republic. And it was over pretty early, guys. It was a six nothing victory by the United States. They uh, started early. They did not let up. And the Dominican was kind of out of it. But you know what? The Dominican gets the consolation prize of, like I said, going to the Olympics for the very first time and also qualifying for the U-20 World Cup. So uh, they had nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, I mean, but the United States to win this tournament, um, it really uh, just kind of put the mark, put the cap on like the last 13 months of American soccer. Right. Like, and I know we're going to talk about it in a second, but uh, they were the last group to play in a tournament uh, over the last year plus, And they once again bring a trophy home to the United States. Yeah. And a huge, huge tournament for Paxton Aronson, uh, son of that senior national team star brendan uh seven Son, goals. you mean you mean you uh, mean brother, brother, you mean brother. <laughs> younger child uh <laughs> something like it he is he is an aaron's son he is he is our he was our son yeah. yes our son our, our beautiful child uh seven goals in the tournament golden ball golden boot great tournament for paxton also do want to shout out edison ascona from dominican republic he balled out in this tournament and that kid is going places he's tearing up the USL championship right now. And uh, he's going to be a star for the Dominican team for years to come. So, yeah. So the U S finally back to the Olympics on the men's side. Um, Our long national nightmare is over. So now that we recap these two tournaments, both won by the U S I do want to kick it to you guys. Is it good for CONCACAF that the U S is winning everything? I mean, it is good for us. I must state it is definitely good for us, but is it good for CONCACAF that the U.S. is dominating lately? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily. I mean, it's kind of an uh, aberration at the moment. I mean the 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 women have dominated CONCACAF for for quite a long time, um, and it's been between yeah for forever. Um, but in the youth setup. It hasn't been that way. Um, maybe on the, on the women's side it has, but I mean I, the 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 men's youth tournaments, uh, it has not been the case. Uh, we talked about it. The U.S. hasn't been to a World Cup, no, we're an Olympics since two thousand eight. Um, yeah. You know, there's been some great you know standout teams uh, in the in the U twenties. You think of you know. The Michael Bradley, uh, Josie Altador age group, the um, you know Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, but I mean none of those teams have necessarily gone and won a ton on the youth level. Um, so I think of it more as an aberration, uh, and I think it speaks more um, to the drop off on the Mexican side. Um, which we have seen uh, FMF absolutely clearing house um, on, on the technical department. 
on the yeah. entire sporting department. Like, so, I mean, I think it, a lot of it goes down to the fact of like, um, we've seen that. I think Canada is going to catch up. Um, we've seen just the Canadian men's team uh, pop, you know, really make some strides forward, topping the, the group in the CONCACAF side uh, during World Cup qualifying. But that takes time. Uh, you know, it takes time for these men's teams uh, and these youth academies to get to where they, they need to be. So I don't think the domination will be um, a long-term domination. I think this is more of a, you know, an exception rather than a rule. It, is it good? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's good because, I mean, people said the same thing when Mexico had their run where they were winning everything and, you know, Canada had their run in the late 90s, early 2000s where they won a lot of major tournaments. I, I say a lot. I mean, for them, it was like one or two. Um, but, you know, Costa Rica, Honduras has won a lot of tournaments at the youth levels. Like, we have these cycles, as, as Jonathan said. We have these cycles where, you know, teams end up winning a lot in bunches. And I think for the United States, this is important because we have youth who have not experienced victory. We have youth who have not seen success. We have youth who want to test themselves in pressure situations, just like, you know, you know, in the final for the women, you had a bunch of players on the, on the roster who came in in the 89th minute who have less than 10 caps for their country but they were put in a pressure situation against Canada to try and hold a victory and preserve a title and get to the Olympics job succeeded. Maybe next time they fail, but at right now it's not necessarily that the United States is hot right now, but they are experiencing success and it's, and they, they got the taste and now they want to keep hold of it. Will this last? Who knows, right? Like there's a lot coming up. The world cup's coming up. We have a gold cup next year for the men. We have a, you know, women's world cup for the women. We have an Olympics for both teams. We have the gold. We have another gold cup for the, for the women nations league. We have a lot of tournaments coming up and that's just on the senior level, not counting the youth levels. And as the youth levels keep kicking back up there, the U S is going to take some hits. Mexico is going to take some hits. Canada is going to take some hits. I think it's important for the rest of CONCACAF to continue to keep building of both the men's and women's sides so that we have a competitive, you know, confederation for decades to come in all of these areas everyone should be competing with each other to say hey what are we doing right what are we doing wrong how do we get to the next level and how and because if all all these teams and all these important games if they keep improving you know from saint lucia and in anguilla all the way up to the you know united states mexico and canada the rising tide lifts all boats and i, I think everyone improving is a good thing and I think it's a good thing that the United States, despite all that, are still taking home all these trophies. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, indirectly, it is great for CONCACAF that the U.S. is dominating. Because when the U.S. is good, the U.S. Get, has – when U.S. interest is high, U.S. money is high. And U.S. money is so crucial to CONCACAF's success as a whole. It's good that, honestly – for me personally, I think it's very good that U.S. is winning every CONCACAF tournament. But it's not necessarily about who's actually winning the final trophy. It's great that the U.S. is winning the final trophy, but it's not just the U.S. that's winning. You saw in the CONCACAFW championship, yes, the U.S. won and is going to the Olympics. Yes, Canada won and is going to the FIFA Women's World Cup. Costa Rica and Jamaica are both 
now going to just their second FIFA Women's World Cups. So it's huge for them. They had a very successful tournament. That's what's good for CONCACAF. I mean, we don't know who's going to end up getting that Olympic berth. It'll probably be Canada. But Costa Rica and Jamaica, they won. In the U-20 championship, yes, it's great that the U.S. won. Honduras has been to eight U-20 World Cups, but Dominican Republic is going to their first one. Guatemala is going to just their second U-20 World Cup. And Dominican Republic making their Olympic debut. So, like, as the U.S. is taking home the trophies, these mid-level countries are having historic accomplishments. And I think that's what's most important to CONCACAF. It's not that the U.S. is dominant and the best country, the best soccer country in the region. It is that the middle of the pack is on its way up and having you guys can't see the hand motions I'm making right now. I'm talking my hands a little bit, but, um, but that's what these tournaments are for yeah. too. That's why we have the W championship and the W gold cup and the nation's league and the women's nation's league. And you know, the Caribbean cups and all these little, you know, you know, sub confederations. shout out CFU. Like that's why we have these tournaments to give again, to give pressure situations to these teams so that they can pump resources into their teams to get the training up, get these guys going to different leagues and making everyone better. Because honestly, I'm sick and tired of the rest of the world saying that CONCACAF is like, is at the bottom tier. We have some great teams in this region. We have some teams that, you know, if given the shot, they would rise to the occasion and beat some teams in other confederations, but we have to continue to improve as a confederation. These tournaments are doing that again. And it's not necessarily for the, for the cream of the crop. It's for the middle and the lower tiers for them to get better because they will make everybody better. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we do have some other CONCACAFW things we want to talk about. We're going to save that for one more round. So if you're a subscriber to our Patreon, uh, you'll be able to go there and listen to our discussion on the CONCACAFW championship and the tournament and what we actually think, if it was success or not. That'll all be on our Patreon. You could subscribe today. Uh, patreon.com slash podcast again you can subscribe for as little as one dollar a month and that support does a lot for us for paying for all these hosting costs and making sure that we can do this podcast one dollar a month that's like 1.03 euros a month <laughs> it's, it's, we we actually just recently got another uh subscriber and they're from canada so it's actually a dollar 50 canadian uh, <laughs> we're getting so thank you to our Canadian fans. We appreciate your listening. Even though we're going to talk shit about uh, Canadian soccer, it's great to have your support. We hope you enjoy the show. Um, Donald, can, do you want to tell them where they can find you? At Blazing DW on Instagram and on Twitter. Yeah, and you can find me uh, at JSlapeSSP on Twitter um, or at Broadway Sports Media and Speedway Soccer uh, yeah. for, for all other things. Yeah. Lots of coverage of Nashville SC, who just signed a U.S. men's national team player. Uh, so big moves. Shout big out Shaq Moore. Shout out Shaq Moore. Well, Shaq, if you got to get shown around town, you, you you talk to the podcast. You can talk to the podcast by tweeting at us, at podcacaf, P-O-D-cacaf, on Twitter. Uh, you can also slide in the DMs on the Instagram, also at podcacaf, or shoot us an email, podcacaf at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you rate and review us. Leave 
into the comments if you want to go on Apple Podcasts and leave us like a review. Feel free to tell us what your favorite uh, rums are. We love talking rum um, and other concaf uh, beverages. So thanks for listening in. Uh, we'll have another episode for you soon.